0: Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Marty Elliott. Along with me today from Zamboni is Doug Peters, our Regional Manager of the United States. Today, we're gonna be discussing level ice and the NHL stadium facilities. Our guest today is Brandon Radeke. Brandon is the Director of Ice Operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome, Brandon. How are you, Marty? I'm fantastic. Good to see you again, my friend. How's the family? How's Kara? How are the kids? Uh, they're doing well, trying to
1: get through all of this craziness and the crazy time, but it's been really good
0: so yeah. far. Well, it's great to have you on the show today. Greatly appreciated taking the time. And uh, and let's talk Level Ice. Let's talk uh, both uh, UPMC, the practice facility, the Mary, Mario Lemieux UPMC, my apologies, practice facility and the PPG uh, NHL facility. And reference to Level Ice, I want to say... Uh, We installed that for you. Would it be fair to say three years ago, Brandon?
1: Uh, It's actually been since we opened this facility. So we're on our, well, four years ago now. It'll be going on our fifth season. Wow. So
0: Time flies when you're having fun. Yep. So Let's Well, see. yeah, it's two, two cups. We had two cups on that, so it's been, yeah, it'll be the fifth season. Actually, you're right. I, that, the first cup, I do recall. <laughs> I, I, <Yeah>. never make, <laughs> I remember making a quote <coughs> on social media about that, and did I ever yeah. get some
2: fire back on that one? Anyway. Oh, can, I'm sure. Yeah. Can you remember the cup from the, the Leafs, Marty? Oh, The last it, one?
1: 1967.
2: Are you old enough? Are you old enough for hey, that?
1: I I I think this is one of the
0: last years. That the Leafs go off the cup this year. Like they do. The, band off. the band, the band. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Wow.
2: That's yeah. a long time. Got to a, be getting close to a Canadian team getting off that cup too, right?
0: <laughs> you know, folks, uh, the listeners out there, uh, this is a banter back and forth between my colleague, Doug Peters and myself about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, he's south of the 49th parallel. You know, folks, where I live, I'm north of the 49th and I bleed blue. But one day, and I know it's going to happen soon, that i can finally put duct tape on him so he doesn't have to bug me anymore <laughs> anyways that's another topic let's leave it for there brandon let's share about your background in the industry and what your uh, role today is with the P- pittsburgh penguins Why don't you share with their audience
1: uh well like you said in the introduction i am the director of ice operations for the pittsburgh penguins and it's been kind of a uh, a storied i guess trip up to this point um i started I've been in a rink all my life I played hockey since I was a kid a small kid and um it actually starts out with the uh, um in my hometown back in Minnesota we built a, a community rink um my dad was the head of construction there um that was when I was a squirt I think or a mite in hockey and um he was the head of that we got the rink going and uh um once we started going I remember the day that the Zamboni came in Dale Hansen dropped it off from R&R and, and uh my dad and dale hit it off pretty well and i remember that going coming in and like that's that's just crazy because we didn't have a normal zamboni at our rink we had an outdoor rink and we had the tractor zamboni so it was like the first all i was used to was a tractor machine and that's all i ever saw and this thing came and it was a used machine but i thought it was the greatest thing ever so i ended up working at the rink for since i was a freshman in high school and throughout high school hockey and doing that learning how to drive and Um, when I went to go to college, um, the super Inc in Blaine, Minnesota was being built. And so I helped open that building up while going to college, uh, the original four sheets. And then, uh, um, after those four were done, I went full time there, actually worked at Columbia arena for a little bit that the national sports center owned, um, which also, um, was home of the twin city Balkans back then, but then, uh, moved over to, um, Oh, that was a computer thing. Sorry. Uh moved over to um back to the Super rink when we built the other four rinks um and I think you guys have a picture of that when we placed that order of six Zambonis out front of the building and uh, it was pretty we cool do. to have that. We do. <laughs> um I, I remember going through that with Doug. That was a that was a big purchase order um to send that one through and it was cool to see it all come together and make that work. Uh during that whole time I was at the Super rink The NHL's team started in Minnesota, the Minnesota Wild, um, and I started working for them just part-time, helping out in game days. So I worked for the Wild for 14 years um, until this point where I got an opportunity to end up out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, We got up, moved our whole family to Pittsburgh, and uh, I've been here for the last six years. So uh, it's been quite a run, but I guess that's kind of my background.
0: <clears throat> well, you are definitely the epitome and the definition of being a rink rat. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. And now I'm just going starting it right over with my kids. So I'm <laughs> I live, I work in the rink every day, go home, pick them up, and bring them back to the rink. So I was just I all say, the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're doing both sides. Have, have the have the kids been on the uh, zamboni? Have you given them an opportunity to drive the zamboni?
1: Not yet. They're not old
0: enough. <laughs> not old enough. Well, in uh, private. Not- well, I, I will tell you, and, and I know the, our uh, our some of our listeners and our my colleagues certainly know my my experience of the zamboni at the age of seven. I don't think I've ever told you that story. I'll tell you that story another time because I did drive <laughs> a zamboni at seven seven years old. But because uh, I was like you, I was a rink rat growing up. Well, listen. Uh, uh, thanks for the feedback. You know, we had a, a podcast um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, your former colleague, uh, your work partner, uh, Pete Carlson, was on the show. Uh, talking about uh, the the 8-PAD facility up in Minnesota. And that was a great podcast and giving some insights, uh, uh, referencing what we're going to talk about today was Level Ice and uh, what they've seen uh, from a uh, public municipal uh, facility and what that's done for their facility. I think it's pad 5 and 6 they're using the Level Ice on. So let's uh, let's talk about Level Ice. How long um, have you been using the Level Ice system uh, down in Pittsburgh? at both uh, Maryland UPNC and PBG facility.
1: So when we opened up the UPMC-Lenue Sports Complex, which was 2015, um, that's when we ordered our two machines for this place and we put those on right away. And that same time we added the level ice to our game machines downtown at the game rink. Um, So it's been five years, five and a half years, right in there.
0: What kind of feedback uh, from the operators? I've I had the opportunity because I trained both uh, the stadium facility and the practice facility on the Level I system. Um, haven't been down there for, geez, I, I want to say a couple months, couple of years now. But uh, what kind of feedback from the operators have you received, both on the practice and on the on the stadium facility regarding the Level I system? What's the what's the feedback on the system?
1: Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. At the beginning, it was the practice facility was easy. That was, you know, the guys were young, energetic. They wanted to be um, not that age matters, but they they just wanted to do whatever it took to make the best ice possible. Um, that wasn't too hard. Going down to the game rink, it was a little bit of a an adjustment because we have some drivers or our, our staff down there is a little bit more veteran um, and used to certain things. So that break-in period was a little little bit different for them. But um, overall, now it's been great after the adjustments and learning the system and
0: all that. But, uh, no, everybody's been doing a great job with it. So let me ask you, what's been the biggest game changer for both facilities since you started using the level Ice system? Well, I I mean, I use it two different ways,
1: basically, from the practice facility to the game rink. Um, The practice facility is the day-in and day-out use, and our biggest game changer, I've noticed, is the maintenance time. And what we do, you know, closing down, we're edging once a day, and we, we aren't edging corners down, we're not you know, doing that hard grinding on the machines. We're we're literally, we edge once a day and our ice is perfectly flat um, whenever we need it. Uh, Downtown, uh, we use it all the time except for game days on the actual game. Um, We just, um, we don't use it for that, but um, we've found out that it's, it's what I use it more there is because we're using twin machines or double machines for all the game side. I'm still able to use a system where, I know where they're at all the time. So they're cutting exactly the same and we're pulling off the same amount. Um, That's where I use that more for that. And the other part is we'll probably get into this a little bit later is cutting logos in and out for things like that. It's that's a big game changer for me downtown. Well, and at the practice facility as well, because our marketing team seems to be pretty energetic about switching logos around.
0: And you know what, definitely uh, all 31 teams uh, with their marketing divisions want to uh, Bring in, bring out different advertising, and let, let's walk down that road. And talk about the benefits of Level Ice, um, you know, I, I, and being the trainer and training uh, uh, facility operators on how to utilize the system properly. Um, talk about uh, the ease of Level Ice uh, when you ha- have to pull out an inlay logo uh, uh, for changeover to a different uh, corporate sponsor. Talk about the ease of that uh, using Levelize compared to traditional uh, manner that you yeah. would normally use in the past. Well, this
1: year I, I really found out the benefits of it because with this pandemic stuff going on, we pulled one of our practice sheets around or pulled one of the practice sheets out. And then we're told a week later, we had to put it back in and long story short. So when we went to put the logos in, I know that we changed out our ads, you know at least once a year certain ones whatever i actually built up over that and then came and cut our logos in so i know where those depths are exactly and now when i go to pull them out i'll just set our machine to go to that depth and i'll pull them right out and go back in um it i i think that's going to be the biggest benefit of the logo ch- side of it and then downtown when or either side when we're pulling or changing out logos it's so e- easy to just hit your level you know where you're, you're close to it and it's, it's it's definitely so much easier to do that now instead of cranking up and down and grind it till you find it um and then when you find it it's sometimes too late and your augers are full and
0: <laughs> exactly it depends on the, yep, operator. the vertical <laughs> yep 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 we know exactly what that's all about so let's talk about the user group i mean uh the professional pittsburgh penguins nhl team uh we got some high profile players there You're going. You're. They're going from their practice facility that's just about four years old, the Maryland UPMC facility, back to the stadium facility. Have they remarked? Have they talked to you guys in in the operation side about uh, the consistency uh, of the ice uh, between the two facilities, both practice and NHL?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I mean we talk quite often. Uh, Some key players in there. We talk during the season. I mean, I don't want to say every day, but it's it's quite often. Um, I mean, and it's, I don't want to say that our sheets are the same, exactly the same, because it's two different animals that we deal with. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone knows that we're a giant building compared to a small condensed building, but as the surface goes for the sheet, we try and get our, get our numbers as close as we can, attempts-wise, and, you know, it's, it's pretty consistent as close as we can, except for when you're getting... 18,000 people in a building that affects it obviously in a different way. But uh, they seem to be very happy. Um, I was brought here for that reason to come and try and get some change and positivity to the, um, not positive, I guess, um, change the ice, the the mental part of it in the players' minds that the ice is not as, as bad as they think. And, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of changes. It was just more or less making sure that they knew we were on top of it. And I think a big part of this has been the Level Ice, showing them the technology that we're doing to help improve our sheets. They, they appreciate that and things have gone very well with the
0: NHL side of it. Right. So let me ask you, Bryn, have you, have you seen, uh, uh, and without putting actual numbers uh, uh, against this, but let me talk about return on investment. Have you noticed a difference uh, post-installation of Level Ice as far as both the UPMC and the stadium facility um, when it co- comes to cost savings?
1: Well, uh, to be honest, Marty, uh, it's tough for me because we put the ice in right away here and we've had it at the practice facility, we've had it in since then, you know, so I don't know really what the savings would be there. But I do know downtown, um I carry different levels or heights of ice throughout the season. Obviously, playoffs, I carry a lot more um, because of overtimes and all that. But throughout the season, shoulder seasons, um, I try and keep it thinner just to try and get, I'm trying to keep my numbers correct on the temp wise. And that I see it there where I can get the same temperature or, you know, where I need to be at different levels throughout the year, depending on how much heat load there is coming from the outside conditions. So just in that, um, I range from an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half throughout the season, depending on what it's going to be like outside, and I'm re- I'm able to pretty much keep the same surface temp with that, and it's very easy to do, obviously, with the laser level, you just make an adjustment and you're right back down to where you got to go, so um, that's where I notice it. Money-wise, I don't know total <laughs> what we say, but with that said, obviously, we're using less cooling to get our same number, so it's definitely there.
0: If that makes nice sense. <laughs> yeah no no, it definitely makes sense so for our listeners let me let me let me kind of give you a visual for our listeners and and uh, uh brandon uh, you can definitely uh, uh walk walk with me on this path for our listeners we're dealing with a, a typical municipal uh, facility if you will at the mary lemieux it's not typical but mary lemieux uh, upmc uh, practice facility double rink. so we have lasers it's two-dimensional machine control and a lot of our listeners will understand this, that have level ice, where we have lasers mounted on walls, uh, whereas the downtown facility, the PPG facility, we have a pole mount. So Brandon had uh, related earlier as far as how the operators are adapting, uh, post, or pardon me, pre-game, uh, pre up, and leading up to a game where they're using the two-dimensional laser facility. Uh, Brandon, I believe, because uh, I was involved in this, where we actually adapted uh, a, a mount for a laser uh, uh, to be installed on a step in behind the uh, 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 penguins uh, uh, bench, uh, where the operators—correct me if I'm—they will actually utilize it up until pre-warm up, and then take it down, take it back to the Zamboni room, and then go into automatic mode. Am I correct in saying that?
1: Yes, yeah, so we uh, we take it out right after, right before warm-ups, before our building opens um and then we go into manual mode for the game if that makes sense right <laughs> that yeah we go in the manual mode right. um and and then um right after the game we put it right back up because we'll make a cut I know how much we lost throughout that game which is typically for us we're about an eighth of an inch we lose per game I'm trying to fill the buckets on every ice cut both machines so we're cutting pretty hard um and then so we build back up um with that in just an of that we build with a cart back up after every game and there's where my wish
0: list comes into getting my fast ice system so <laughs> <laughs> wow that is the best lead in i that made that made this so easy let me bring yep. in uh, my uh, co-host doug peters our regional manager of the united states uh, Brandon, I know we've talked about it and we do have let me kind of give our listeners uh with 31 uh, NHL teams in the uh, uh, that are presently in the league Um, We have uh, NHL teams that have both level ice and fast ice. We have NHL teams that just have level ice, such as yourself, uh, Brandon, and we have teams that just have fast ice. Brandon, you've spoken uh, briefly about fast ice and I'll bring Doug into this uh, equation here um, because I believe one of your colleagues in the industry, and we'll talk more about the industry uh, education, FOMA, but uh, let's talk about what you've understood, what you understand from your colleagues in the industry, uh, be uh, uh, Cody Bateman down in uh, Dallas Stars, uh, American Airlines Arena, or over in uh, Nashville with Nigel uh, Schnur at Bridgestone Arena that have uh, some fast ice or some level ice and fast ice. But Doug, let's uh, let's bring you in and talk further about
2: that. Thank you, Marty. Yeah, Brandon, it's, it's something I know you have a desire to have it on the equipment. There was some talk about getting some new machines at PPG. Uh, unfortunately, the wonderful world that we live in these days has uh, kind of put the brakes on that. But um, do you have any experience in working with FastTice? I know we've got it out here at uh, Staples. Uh, they've got it on their machine for the Kings. They've also got one system on their practice facility. Um, But what's your experience either talking to people like Francois, Cody, uh, or actually getting practical use with it uh, on one of our machines?
1: I have not uh, had the actual practical use of it, and I want to jump on one of those machines at some point. But um, with talking, like you said, to Cody and Francois, I talked to them not only just in general, but we're on the board together for the FOMA side of it. And um, I've talked in depth with Cody about it, and um, he seems super happy about it, and uh, it, it's something that I think it's a game changer to have both of what we, the laser level and the 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 fast ice system. Just for what we go through in an NHL facility, um, it just makes so much more sense.
2: Yeah, we're really starting to see even in the community rinks, they're starting to uh, see the value in the fast ice system. We sold a machine uh, to the rink in Pasadena, California. Here where they put both level ice and fast ice on it. Uh, we've got a prep school out east uh, that put level ice, uh, or, I'm sorry, put fast ice on. And then we've got uh, Harvard, uh, just got a new machine within the last month uh, or so uh, that's got both fast ice and level ice on it. And, and the thing that I like about the level ice, and I, I was sweating bullets when um, the Kings put it on, this was pre-Francois getting down to the facility Um, But uh, I was really worried about it because they had a couple drivers who very experienced had a few years under their belts and trying to get them to adapt to uh, The new setup and when I saw their ice what it looked like the first night. It was amazing to me Uh, it, It just blew me away with how shiny it was and some of it had to do with new lighting I think but it, it really was amazing and uh marty maybe you can elaborate a little bit more because you've spent a fair amount of time up in calgary with the the gentleman up there and it's he, he's told me that it's been a game changer in his facility as well
0: yes the uh the calgary flames richard gurney uh head engineer of vice ops in the same role as you uh brandon and uh, matt cowan his lead hand uh they both, uh, though that facility, uh, their NHL facility, has both fast ice and level ice, and definitely even the players. I mean, Mr. Hockey uh, up there, they they definitely noticed an immediate return on the quality of ice, the bond in that, which um, and maintaining the levelness, which you've experienced over the last four years, but the fast ice where they see that uh, tightness of ice and dealing with TDS um and the minerals and all that and how the spray boom and all that and and i know you've talked uh, spoken to cody about it um that's uh, that was definitely a game changer in the quality of the ice which allows me to walk down this path and and let's talk about this brandon i mean we look at the professional sport sports leagues out there uh pitches for soccer uh courts for uh basketball uh football fields and turf uh, maybe not a good example, but MLB, uh, MLB, uh, playing fields. I mean, consistency that the league has the same thing to play on all the time. I mean, where's your thoughts on that? How do you feel about that? I mean, yeah, it's, it's
1: definitely, uh, I mean, players want it of course across the league. And I think that's where the hockey ops group comes in from the NHL side of it and tries to guide through, you know, helping people out. But I, you're right. It, it's definitely a big factor in how they want consistent consistent sheets of ice across the league. Now you run into some different variables with where the way buildings are made and, you know, equipment that way. But, you know, th- it starts with your slab and or your sheet of ice. And for sure, that would make, make it uh, a lot more having both systems like that. I think it would help everybody out.
0: Yeah. Consistency, a level playing field. That's what I refer to all the time. I mean, let's let's just talk about it. We got the Buffalo Sabres, level ice, fast ice. We got uh, the uh, Calgary Flames, level ice, fast ice. We got the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Scotiabank Arena. They got fast ice. Uh, TD Gardens got uh, level ice. Carolina Hurricanes got level ice. Uh, uh, Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, they got fast ice. We got American Airlines Arena in Dallas, they got fast ice, level ice. We got Staples Arena, they got fast ice. I mean, so as a, as a player, because I still play, and I, I know, Brandon, you play, I mean, when you're going from one facility in the community rink to another facility, depending on the conditions and, and what what's going on and who's driving the machine, um, yep. knowing the quality of the ice to be consistent all the time compared to going uh, from a, uh, a 9 out of 10 to a no disrespect to the industry or operators that are uh, driving the uh, Zamboni to maybe a four or five out of 10, it affects the game of play. And and that is a challenge at that level of the experience and the expectations that the industry has being the user group, being the NHL players. So uh, consistency across the board, definitely definitely a game changer. No question. question. Doug, let's uh, bring you back in. You wanted to ask a couple of questions.
2: Yeah. And talking about the consistency, Brandon, I know that you're on the staff at target field uh, (laughs) (laughs) in maintaining a different, different, a different type of surface. But how do you feel that with fast ice and level ice, uh, and this was something that Cody brought up, he felt that is bringing in his best ice that he's ever produced. How do you feel that that's going to help you out in either of your facilities uh, in putting out the quality of ice that not only what you want, but what's going to make the the hockey players happy? Well,
1: whatever happens downtown has to happen at the practice facility for for me. That's, I mean, so it would be, you're not only, I'm going to put fast ice on machines downtown, but I have to put it up here to make it the same for both sheets or for both, both uh, areas or buildings for the players. But um, as far as consistency and making everything the same, um it, it's i think instead of bringing out my card I, I mean i we build only with our cart or build up with you know our spray boom and all that um for the building side of it you're obviously getting the tighter bond of it but then you know it's going to be exactly the same and i i can't emphasize enough how much our building is how much the team wants it consistent or the same as downtown and uh it, it, I just think from all the work we put in for you know using the Jedi's cart to putting all the you know all those loads of water on you know five six carts every every game to you know that i don't get a chance to do those carts up at our practice facility so this would make it about the same sheet of ice i guess it was what i'm getting at um it's just it's it's just the right direction i think technology's brought it there and i think it's the right direction we need to go to get the best sheet of ice we can
2: yeah it it certainly does give you the operator the ability to control how much water you want to put down and and where you want to put down if you need to put down more and that's the thing I, i keep coming back to with uh the discussion with cody uh it was just something he's had fast ice for a long time. And he's probably yep. got more knowledge than some of our people do about it because of all the different iterations he's dealt with. But to hear him talk about the, the new version of it and coupled with level ice, what it's done for his ability to put a good sheet of ice out in a very difficult climate. And it, it's it's different. You get north and south of the Mason-Dixon line. And I would think even what you've had to accomplish in Pennsylvania is a lot different than what it was like growing up in Minnesota. Uh, oh, and, ten you know, times different.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. totally different animals there.
2: So much easier. Mario, I'm gonna toss it back to you for a couple more questions that you've got for Brandon.
0: So we're gonna walk down the road, uh, Brandon. Now I'm gonna take it a little bit more technical side, Um, even though you don't have fast ice, but I'm I'm gonna go down the road, uh, referring to the NHL facilities that have it, uh, specifically the Calgary Flames, Buffalo Sabres, and how they, the metrics of uh, both uh, facilities, um, utilizing fast ice and level ice um, are allowed to be able to determine. And let's go back to traditional, uh, prior to technology being, uh, brought into, uh, the ice resurfacing industry. Um, you have a hand crank, whether you have a five inch blade or a four inch blade, depending on how many three sixties you're doing on your hand crank clockwise, um, might or might not know as an operator, what you're cutting, what you're putting in the, in the snow tank and and the industry, I have to tell you, cause I came into the industry, uh, eight years ago where I started from technology, I didn't start from. As long as you guys have been in the industry, I'm older than you, but I'm making you. <laughs> old. But I came in with technology because I was account manager for Level Ice with the with the uh, manufacturer. But where I have identified, compared to what traditional is, how much is in the snow tank based on what you take off, which I've always had a challenge with, and and help me help me if I'm out of line here, because ambient air and and whether you have air conditioning, all those things that involve surface snow based on you snow, you base on, do you take that into the equation of what's in the snow tank? If you have three quarters of a snow tank, is a quarter of that your surface snow and the rest you're cutting or whatever the case may be? So before I get you to answer that question, I wanna take, I'm gonna walk you down a path and listeners walk with me and help so you can understand where I'm going with Brandon on this. So. You have level ice, and I'll do imperial. You can do increments of 0.01 of an inch. So mathematically, 16th of an inch is half the uh, depth of a rut in the ice, a skate rut, uh, which is 0.06 of an inch. So you set up your level ice at half uh, half an inch or uh, 16th of an inch. But the beauty of it is now I have my flood water valve that I open up a uh, traditional way. And how much am I putting down? Well, usually if your spray out of your flood pipe is three quarters of an inch, you're roughly putting down one thirty-second. If it is roughly, I wanna talk about an inch coming out of the flood pipe, then you're putting down about a 16th of an inch. But how do you control that? So let me take this out of the equation. Technology has now allowed the operators to go, I don't have to think about this. I am still operating and do my flood pattern. But if I set my level ice, Brandon, your guys pre-warm up are now in manual mode at .06 of an inch. They're taking out half the rut. Four elements of an ice resurfacer. We're cutting, we're conveying, we're cleaning, and then we're flooding with new ice. I set my level ice cutting at .06, and now with version two fast ice, I set my flooding or my ice making at .06. What I just talked took off is what I'm putting back down. Does it get any simpler than this? You're absolutely right. Cause there's yeah. the, the only thing in there is you gotta get it to freeze in time. And
1: if you can do that, you're, you're always got a clock running on you. And I agree, it's, it is perfect. Uh, it, 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 it should be perfect. And in, in a lot of cases, you are gonna get that to freeze because you're, you're probably putting less water down than the traditional way. You're putting the exact amount you need down, than the traditional way where sometimes you're putting too much. In the ends, they're not shutting it off in time, or you know, you're you're
0: putting it exactly where you need it. Yeah, that's where you need your uh, your uh, engineering department, refrigeration uh, department, to identify what's going on down below because they're yep. you know, wherever they are in the in the uh, in the footprint of the building uh, to understand. And I know you guys because the last time I was down at PPG with you, I mean, you you were on the walkie-talkie a lot. <laughs> and i think you were talking yeah. to your drivers your operators or up to the refrigeration plant to go to your engineer hey got to turn the plant down or whatever the case may be i mean there's yeah. so much involved there's so much involved let me take it down another path i mean uh doug i'm going to bring you in on this because you've been in the industry a lot longer than i have why don't you and uh, uh brandon talk about what uh, the uh directors of ice, uh, ice operations uh in the nhl deal with and for our audience to understand. These operators, these, the head of operations, these drivers, operators, just don't run the facility. Where I'm leading this, Doug, talk to uh, Brandon about FOMA and let our audience understand what FOMA is all about.
2: Yeah, Brandon, if you could, I don't know how far back you go. Um, I'm the dinosaur in the room, uh, which has been pointed out to me on a regular basis uh, by our staff. They're very kind about that. <laughs> Um, how long have you, how long do you go back into FOMA you you sit on the board currently, correct?
1: Yeah, I've been on the board. I think this is my third year now. Uh, but I've been part of FOMA since even when I was back with the Minnesota Wild. So I think this is my 10th year with it. So kind of not the earliest part of it, but it's been around, I, I forgive me. I don't know the exact year it started up, but it was just a group of guys, uh, in the industry that wanted to get together and talk shop. about you know, what they deal with in an NHL facility that way. And, and it's growing from there. So, yeah, it's yeah, a couple years.
2: Yeah, it goes back. Uh, I think Fred Corsi was one of the guys when he was uh, still down in St. Louis that uh, was involved in getting it going. And it, it's really been, I think, helpful. And you're on the, closer on it uh, the inner workings of it uh, than we are. Um, but uh, it brings the NHL teams together and I think that's a good thing so that they can have a best practices and I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where you can say hey uh, in Minnesota they can run their building the same way that they run it in Pittsburgh or the same way they run it in Tampa or Nashville or Dallas Um, but it it can bring the group together so that they can discuss things and say hey this is going to work for us in our facility or no it's not and I know it's had to have helped you guys uh, in both your uh, big building and in the the practice building in that these buildings now that are coming out that are the practice facilities they've got all the bells and whistles and I think they've learned um, from your facility one to what they've done in in the other facilities that have built since then
1: yeah for sure and it's and I think that's the path you're gonna see down the road a lot in these buildings it's uh, I think we were one of the first new ones. And then it's been, you know, Chicago. Um, You see a lot of them, just for example, Chicago, Minnesota, all those are, they're putting on all the bells and whistles, but back to FOMO a little bit. um, You're right. It is a great chance to, I mean, we always do it at the end of the season Um, a week after it's usually a week after the Stanley cup has been awarded and uh, it's a good way to talk shop and tell horror stories of the season and, uh, you know, small things like that. But it also, you know, we come up with a lot of good ideas of, you know, what's next coming out, where, what, what are, what do we do in these situations? And it's a good chance for us to get back to the league on issues that we've seen too. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good group of guys to hang out with. And now we're broadening it up. I shouldn't say guys, guys and gals that are part of the, the league side of it. And we um, we've opened it up now to the minor league clubs and we're trying to even build it more. So, because, you know, these minor league clubs are also um, or the A teams or whatever you want to call them are, you know, they're dealing with our players as well. As So we're trying to bring this whole group into a bigger, a bigger group of people to, so we can all be part of the discussion of how we can make it better and more consistent throughout the league.
2: I think it's been a great opportunity for, Uh, the voices to be heard from the buildings at the the league office level. And uh, I know with Dan Craig being actively involved and now Mike and Derek, uh, it certainly has given feedback where I think it's um, sorely needed Uh, because they, sometimes I think at top levels, people can say, oh, let's just make this happen. And while that's great and wonderful, and and you've been involved in it, on the level of the outdoor games, which are challenging. It's having to understand the aspect and the, pro, the process of putting ice into a building and what's doable and what's not. And now buildings, I think, are, um, it's harder and harder as they cram more events in. And it's gonna be interesting to see what buildings look like once we come out of COVID and uh, that uh, teams are allowed to have fans come back into the building.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I know our calendar right now. If it goes, it's it's an event every day, and I, I think every building is going to deal with that. So it's there's going to be a lot of that. But um, a, a prime example of you know, the, yeah, the relationship we have with the league in FOMA has been. It, pe- most people don't think of the things that you get into this job you think i worry about the ice and do all that but there's so many other variables that come into a game player or in or a game rink that you don't think about but what we we lean on the league to help us get our point across and so a prime example of that is we were having issues you know they keep pushing time limits in between periods you know our intermission times and a few years back, they actually gave us a couple more minutes, two more minutes, um, in our intermissions. And what that did is, they didn't take, they didn't make the intermission longer. What they did is, they took away from marketing um, the time they had to to put the kids out there. But that was us as FOMA, uh, as a as a group, leaning on the league to, hey, hey, we need time if we want to get this ice as best as possible. You know, we need the time. And you know, Pete, what I was getting back to is when you're at your normal practice city and things like that, you don't think per se as much as how much of a, you know, what goes into an NHL game. But I think that's, that was the biggest thing that you learn is, you know, it's all the other things around it that you have to deal with. And FOMA's helped with those little types of things where, you know, with glass changeouts and all this random stuff that you don't in your everyday life at the, At the practice facility or in your community rink, you don't worry about. But that's where our group gets together and tries to hash out what we can get through with these with the league and stuff and try and make these games go as seamless as possible.
2: Yeah, what I think the listeners might not understand is what a production a game is. And it's truly a production because you've got most game, most if not all games are on TV now. Uh, And they have a time slot that that game is supposed to fill and they don't want it to go under and they don't, more importantly, probably want to go over. And if you've got overtime, it's obviously out of your control. But there are a lot of things. and I've had the opportunity to uh, sit in on some of these meetings and it's great. The discussion that comes up and what effects that you guys have had to change uh, to get things better. Um, for the league for the players and uh, what a different world it is today than when my dad was uh, chief engineer at the Met Center uh, when I was a kid 100 years ago so you guys are doing a great job and keep up with that organization
1: yeah we're trying to keep it going uh, not keep it going it, it is growing every year and it's been it's it's been a good group to get get together and uh, I think it can only get better from here
0: so I'll step in, uh, uh, Brandon and uh, Doug, uh, it was unfortunate, because uh, I was looking forward to uh, seeing all all you guys again this year down in Las Vegas. But of course, due to COVID-19, we have been postponed. And, and I think uh, we're up in Montreal. Is it Montreal next week, uh, next year, Brandon? No, we're, we're uh, scheduled to go back to
1: Vegas again next year. So we're we're going to go back to Vegas.
0: Yeah. 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 I got to tell you, since coming into the industry eight years ago, the c- camaraderie uh, with the Facility uh, op- Operators Management Association, which is the uh, FOMA acronym, um, great bunch of guys. And the information that uh, comes out of you guys that I take back to the community level because a lot of the operators that I train are more so on the community level every day. and and they know that I work with uh, FOMA and, and the, uh, the NHL operators and, and train a lot of them on the, the, the other options that we sell. They always ask me questions about what are they doing differently and what's going on in their world. And as you and Doug alluded to, it's a production. I mean, there's so much uh, going on. And I'll specifically touch on PPG, and we'll get back to level ice, but out of a 31-day month, how many changeovers, uh, Brandon, would you do from ice to non-ice?
1: Uh, we, well,
0: ice and ice, there'd be at least 20, 15 to 20 yeah. in there. So, yeah. So, uh, for our listeners, just think about, uh, one, one evening, uh, shutting the rink down at 11 o'clock. Uh, well games over at nine typically on the Eastern uh, uh, coast, um, and getting set up, boards out, glass out, platform down, stage up, and you got a concert the next day. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, and I think I talked about this in the podcast, or someone was—we uh, were at a concert. I, I forget where it was. I think it was in uh, Toronto. And I said, "You know, you're standing on the ice." And the person looked down and went, "No, I'm not." <laughs> Why don't you explain that, Brandon?
1: Well, they are definitely standing on the ice. Everyone asked, I think the biggest misconception is you guys pull the ice out after for every show. Boy, I'm glad we don't do that. But <laughs> um, yeah, we keep it in all the time, and we we just carry a, a fiberboard or not, a, not a, not a soap, but uh, I forgot the quick term of it, but it's, sure. a, it's a foam board that goes down that slates it and protects it and uh, we'll go about it. And it, you know, changeovers are pretty quick now, but it is, you're right. It's amazing what happens overnight, not only going into concert, but coming out of concert and knowing you got to play hockey in four hours or, you know, things like that. When, a, when the last truck leaves at 7 a.m. and you got injured ice at 8 o'clock and you're scratching your head going, well, there's not even glass back up. It always finds a way to work out, but it's uh, it's a mad rush in the buildings sometimes.
0: So it leads me back to level ice. How much of an influence has level ice made on your changeover crew, your operators, getting ice back up and game ready compared to traditional hand crank I talk about NCAA, I talk about any stadium rink nor- throughout North America or anywhere in the world, how Level Ice has made a difference in that changeover process. Can you explain? Yeah, it's,
1: there's, there's a couple things there that you know, have made a difference. One is you know, where our floor sits on top of the ice. We know where I can have it set so it sits on there perfectly level. We're not overrunning our ice dam or anything like that, so we're not too high in the corners or you know some buildings deal with that. So we know we're right on with that. And then coming out, it's just a quick dry shave usually. um With we set our machine and we go and we're right back in the game mode.
0: Getting the beer, getting the pop, getting the popcorn out of the ice surface, and away you go, and you're back yeah. in the play yep. mode. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, let me uh, let me ask you. Uh, reference to level ice, uh, Brandon. Share with our audience the top three benefits that you've identified post-installation level ice that you can share with the group. Uh, first one is obviously maintenance. It's just uh, it's night and day
1: um, how what we do it, it's literally I will say we do zero maintenance to our ice, and I don't mean that in a, a negative way. It's we we edge once a day, like we typically. Would and we're back to normal um literally no cross cutting no things like that we we're, we're where we need to be all the time, so that would be one, two is ease of use um you know we're in the community rank, we're throwing new guys into the machines all the time and learning the system and and it's it once it's set where we need to have it, it takes that guesswork out of these guys that you know cranking and finding your spot um that that's it's so much easier now that's why I'm pushing for fast size too to take that element away of water control and it, it's it, you can teach them to drive the lawn more the same way so um I think yeah ease of use and the third one that's a good one i I just know those two are the the biggest reasons the third one probably is the the, the ability to change logos out like we talked about earlier that sure that's been a game changer too um it it I can't say enough how easy it is now with that and trying to find yeah. stuff. So no it's, question. those those are my top three for sure. And um, yeah, it's been great
0: with it. Anything else you want to add to the conversation, uh, Doug?
2: No, I think you've covered it all. It, you know, Brandon's had a great, uh, great career in, in going from a, as a Minnesota kid that uh, grew up in a rink and uh, he's made a name for himself in the industry. and And it's great to see that as a, Fellow former Minnesotan, and uh, Minnesota is a great place to be from. Uh, <laughs> not not quite so much a fan of it during the winter time and uh, the oppressive humidity. Although out here in Southern California, the last few weeks it's been uh, abnormally humid for us uh, as well. You know, when you when you can feel it, when I, when I can feel it out here, it's something. But no, I, I want to thank Brandon for um, uh, taking part in this, and I want to thank Marty for uh all your efforts with what you do with the level a system and everything else that uh, that we have to offer it uh it helps make my job easy because i can use you guys as points of reference um when i'm talking to other customers
0: it's always paying them forward mr peters that's what we do that's what we do brother we always do it (laughs) brandon thank you very kindly for your time and uh want to thank everyone for listening into another episode of Ask the zamboni experts podcast by the way, folks, if you have a question for one of our experts or an idea you want to share for a future episode, please email your questions or requests to infozamboni.com. And for more information on additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on your Apple podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. This is it. Marty Elliott, your host. Thank you to Doug Peters, my co-host. Thank you, Brandon, again for taking the time and talking about Level Ice and your facilities that you're managing. And folks, we wish you to have an ice day.